Holy Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, from which you have prepared, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. For the last several weeks, we have been hearing the stories of Jesus being baptized, beginning his ministry and calling his disciples. Those stories came from John's gospel and from Matthew's. But today is the celebration of the presentation of our Lord, a festival in the church that remembers an earlier point in Jesus' life. 
when he was still an infant, probably a little over one month old, being presented at the temple. It's a story we only get in Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel is one of the three synoptic Gospels, along with Mark and Matthew. Mark was first, and then later Matthew, and then Luke wrote his, drawing on Mark and his own witnesses and a third common source called Q. We know Matthew copied more than 600 verses directly from Mark when he wrote his gospel. And Luke, which came third, copied more than 300 verses from Mark. So often we hear the same stories in these three gospels. Because of the similarities and repetition, when there is a unique story like this one, we should always ask, why did the gospel writer choose to tell this story? But even before that, let's begin with why Luke wrote his gospel in the first place. There were already two other accounts. Why did he think we needed this one? <coughs> one answer is that at the time of Jesus' life and ministry, often the second coming was anticipated as something very near, that the disciples who had traveled with Jesus would see firsthand in their lifetimes. And now those eyewitnesses were nearing the end of their lives. Luke wrote his gospel, as he tells us in its very first verse, to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. Luke wants us to know Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises. With that in mind, we hear anew the story of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple. The infant had already been circumcised and named, and now they've returned to the temple for two purposes. First, Mary, as a new mother, was considered ritually impure for 40 days after the birth of her son. And after that, she was expected to bring an offering to the temple that the priests then offered as a sacrifice to effect her purification. Luke tells us this part of the story so that we will know that Mary and Joseph were Torah-observant Jews. Second, while the Torah does not require that firstborn males be presented at the temple, there are laws about providing sacrifices to redeem the firstborn. And there is this idea in Leviticus and Numbers that firstborn sons belong to the Lord and are dedicated to serve him. In his telling of Jesus' presentation at the temple, Luke casts Mary in the role of Hannah, Samuel's mother in the Old Testament, dedicating her firstborn son's life to God. And then Simeon and Anna appear in the story as devout Jews, who recognize in Jesus the one whom God has promised. 
Guided by the Holy Spirit, the old man named Simeon appears at the temple at the same time as Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and he erupts into praise. Maybe you recognize the words of the Nunc Dimittis, the canticle we sometimes sing after communion in our worship liturgy. And then 84-year-old Anna, who spent her days and nights in fasting and in prayer, at the temple also sees the holy family. And Luke says she too began praising God. Simeon sings, for my eyes have seen your salvation and Anna praises the redemption of Jerusalem. Nothing material had changed in the world around these two faithful people. Doubtless, there were still people arguing in the courtyard and on the streets. There were still Roman soldiers occupying their city and towns. There were still people living in poverty and dying from illnesses that cannot be prevented. And yet, and yet, in Jesus, they saw the promises of God fulfilled. Faith enables us to live in the in-between time, knowing the rigors of everyday life now, and yet having confidence that God is fulfilling God's promises. The world would have us believe that the reality we see out there in the midst of infectious disease spreading in China and political turmoil in the U.S. and the U.K. is irredeemable. It's never going to get any better. The world would disempower us and have us believe we are helpless. But Father Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest who teaches about Christian spirituality, recently said that the way through the oppositional dualities that the world creates, Catholic or Protestant, Republican or Democrat, black or white, male or female, spiritual or religious, the way through these dualities is to forgive reality for being what it is. If we don't forgive, then we will accumulate resentment upon resentment, anger, and cynicism. But when we forgive reality for what it is, we are freed to unclench our hands and release our grip on what we think the world should be. And when we do that, we open our hands to receive what Rohr describes as the bonding glue of grace, which heals all the separations that our worldly means can never finally or fully restore. <coughs> Simeon rejoices that he has seen the salvation promised by God what he had seen wasn't a miraculous redemption where the whole world was set right in front of his eyes. 
And it wasn't a personal or individual salvation, a guaranteed entry to heaven, as we often hear those words interpreted today. It wasn't even the assurance of resurrection that we have in Christ. Instead, what Simeon saw was Jesus, God's boundless love incarnate and more powerful than anything he had witnessed or could imagine. Like Simeon and Anna in Jesus, we too are invited to see God's salvation or liberation in the world that God so loves. In our restlessness, we may wonder if seeing is enough. Roar tells the story of being a young monk going through the work and the prayers, the divine hours that ordered his day, and asking one of the older monks, what are we doing? What is its purpose? And after much discussion, the old monk said, we are holding the universe together. And Rora replied, maybe that is why everything is falling apart because few of us are willing to make that commitment. Simeon and Anna made a commitment to hold the space for God to be at work in the world, confident that God was fulfilling God's promises, even when their eyesight dimmed, their hearing faltered, and their steps got less steady. And that is what we, dear church, are doing as we gather around the font and the table in worship. We are holding space, gathered around this infant in whom God is present, and around the table where we see God present in bread and wine. We recommit ourselves to hold space for God to heal and restore our universe. Let us pray. The coming of your son Jesus broke open the heaven and prepared a way for all your children to come home to you. Give us eyes to see your miraculous spirit moving in this church and in this world. Teach us to be proclaimers of your love to the nations for the sake of the one whose name is redemption for the peoples, Jesus Christ, our salvation. Amen.